When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks comes your podcast about pop culture and about so many other things in pop culture. It's Sif Pop. We've already got a full house. I got to admit, I wasn't ready for that. I was not ready to go live. I got caught off guard. Yeah, you did. Sorry. We've already got a full house on chat. Uh Uh-huh. And before we go live... You can't like press the heart button on Mixler, <laughs> so we're all realizing this, or at least They've I am for the like first time. Waiting, yeah, and in so anticipation. Then, then it was like, okay, who's going to give the first heart? And nice. I, I said that I was going to give the first heart, and I did, but mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad because I knew when we went live, like I was so ready. <laughs> Everybody else Cheater. is just waiting, and I'm like, yeah, here it comes. Cheater. <laughs> well, you ready to shoe a dough? I am ready to shoe a dough. All right. Uh, for Sif Pop today, we're going to be talking uh, Steve Jobs, the movie, and then Blind Spot, not Blind Side. That is a football movie. So Blind Spot is the name of the TV show that we'll be chatting about, uh, NBC show, uh, a little bit. And then joining us this week as our special guest is our good friend John from Jogwheel. What's Woo-hoo! up, man? Hello, everyone. How are you? <laughs> I don't know what you were mentioning, the hearts and the mixler, but it sounded exciting, and I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. We uh, we have a chat room because we're live for our podcast. The uh, system that we use to broadcast is an app called Mixler, a website called Mixler. And so we have I people join us. Yeah, people are hanging out with us right now. Yep, chatting away. So we're going to chat about uh, Steve Jobs and uh, as well as Blindside. Uh, before we get into that, though, spot. A blind spot that is going to happen so many times. <laughs> ah! I keep getting, if it's any consolation, Aaron, I keep getting it mixed up with uh, the blacklist, and I've been switching them back and forth and wow. calling it black. I've been calling them black spot, and it's like, <laughs> definitely not anything. Oh. We should just call it the blind. Yeah, just. just- Condense it down. The Tattoo Girl Show. There you Let's go. just call it that. There uh, you go. So we are going to be chatting that. But before we get into that, I do have to say a uh, big old happy anniversary to John, who's joining us today. Oh, thank you. Happy anniversary. How many years, man? Uh, four married and 11 together. Oh, nice. It's that... actually the same date. We we made sure it was the same date for both. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. That keeps it simple. <laughs> it does. That was That was entirely my idea. I did not want to have to remember two different dates from... Our first date in our in our actual, you know, when we put the rings on and all that. So that's wow. sweet. That's actually really sweet and smart. I made mine to where it rhymed, so I wouldn't forget, and I still forget. <laughs> eleven seven, Danae. It rhymes. Eleven seven. Yours is coming up <laughs> well, too. You're then coming up in a couple weeks. Done. Yep. Wow. Yep. How many will that be for you? I have no idea. <laughs> I think we're at five, maybe six. I don't know. Okay. Cool. It's good enough. Yeah, Danae plays the the uh, typical male role in there, like remembering dates in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like she just she doesn't remember them, and she, I don't feel bad about it. And she doesn't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> Thank God I, I have think, a. I think, I think that is sort of the the sexist exception in our culture is that right the women sort of get away with like oh hoo hoo I don't remember. It's like but if we forget, I don't we know. Forget, we're in the doghouse. Well, see, I I try to give as much grace as my husband gives to me. So if he forgets something, I really. I really don't care. <laughs> hey, as long as we're getting along, you know, <laughs> life is good. I'm good. I'm gold. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that it was awkward. I was there one time when uh, Danae forgot and uh, Justin was just like, babe, this is, it's not okay. You don't buy me flowers anymore. It's just, you're a was... liar. <laughs> you are a liar. He does find it entertaining to some degree that I forget his birthday all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's now I remember it. Now it's drilled into my memory. Very because nice. I use it for our, our code for our uh, systems. Oh, it's one of my. It's part of it. It's not the only. I was going to say it's part of a sequence now. 
And it, that way I have it drilled in. If you've been working to crack the code, <laughs> you've been given a clue. Three numbers. The rest of it is tattooed on Danae somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I know we're going to talk about Steve Jobs real quick. Yeah. But I am so excited to talk about this new show. Good, good. Well, we'll get there. Let's do Steve Jobs So we're first. only going to give you two minutes to talk about Steve Jobs, Aaron. No, 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 no. There's way more than that to talk about here. <laughs> Plus, I'm sure you guys have questions. Here's, here's, uh, here's a little bit of the trailer. What if the computer was a beautiful object? Something you want to look at and have in your home. And what if, instead of it being in the right hands, it was in everyone's hands? We'd be talking about the most tectonic shift in the status quo since ever. Your Apple stock is worth $441 million. And your daughter and her mother are on welfare. She's not my daughter! You must be able to see that she looks like you. We will know soon enough if you were Leonardo da Vinci or just think you are. You're the only one who sees the world the same way I do. No one sees the world the same way you do. No one. So wait a second. Mm -hmm. I haven't really listened to this and I haven't paid attention to the trailers, which is no surprise. That's one of my things. I try to keep a clean, you know, palette for the stuff. Does he does he have a kid? Yeah. And you saying he didn't have a kid? Correct. That is a huge part of this Steve Jobs story, especially this movie. It is the central part of this movie. But it is his kid. That so is just so we're clear. Danae and I have not seen this yet. Oh yes. right, right. Of yeah, course. we should we should say that. I, I am the only <laughs> one of the three who did get a chance to to screen it, and uh, it did just come out like twelve hours ago. That is correct. It, well, technically, it came out a couple weeks ago, but that was only limited theaters, like you know, New okay. York, L.A., that like, kind of like stuff. Like we live in those markets. I'm in New Hampshire. <laughs> That's right. We'll get we'll get into the daughter thing again here in a second, but there is a question already in the chat. Is it is it an Aaron Sorkin movie? It is an Aaron Sorkin okay. movie, and that's where I wanted to start. Okay, um, well, let's start with the BDG, because that's, that's his question. Okay, yes, this is a Sorkin. Uh, Sorkin wrote this movie, and a lot, I think, of whether or not you will enjoy the dialogue and the cadence and you know all those kind of things will be determined on how you feel about Aaron Sorkin. If you love him, like I do, I love the way he writes. Uh, this is this is one of his best. I, I oh, love... I loved the dialogue in this and these characters are given such fun and creative and inventive things to say and ways to say it. And it's just the thing about Sorkin is nobody talks like his characters in the real world, but you wish they did, you know? Right. And, uh, and man, just to, to live in that space with these people, I I really, really liked. I just went and looked because I have no idea who that guy is, this Mm -hmm. Sorkin person. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I see A Few Good Men, mm-hmm. The Social Network, and The West Wing, which I know many, many people really love the show, The West Wing. One of my favorites. One and I always hear good things about A Few Good Men, and I think that's the one where it's like you can't handle the truth. Yep, Is that right? That's right. So Well done. And he also, one of my favorite recent shows that he wrote all of was Newsroom, which kind of got mixed yes. reviews. I loved Newsroom, again, because I love Sorkin and I love the way he writes. It's, newsroom was interesting in that. I think at its best, it was one of the fan, you know, best shows on television, but sort of it had a lot of middling, sort of mediocre episodes as well. But when it was at its peak, it was really, really solid. And just watching the trailer for Steve Jobs and seeing Jeff Daniels sort of sputter out that Aaron Sorkin cadence you mentioned, that pitter patter, pitter patter, pitter patter punchline, I was like, this feels exactly like Will McAvoy all over again, mm-hmm. except now he's just playing um, whoever he's playing in this film. I forget the. He's playing. The he's playing the former CEO of Pepsi, who became the, or actually, I think he was head of marketing at Pepsi and became the CEO okay. of Apple, and ended right. up having the head-to-head with Steve Jobs, uh, and ended up getting Steve Jobs fired uh, from right. Apple. So uh, that's that's his role. And his character is a little bit different than the character he plays in Newsroom. But, yeah, he has such a great way with Sorkin. There are just certain actors that, that I think really get, you know, how to do Sorkin. And I, I must say, I was impressed with all of them. If you want to talk a second about the acting, Kate Winslet is phenomenal in this. Uh, is she ever not, though, to be fair? To be fair, no. I mean, she's, she's <laughs> always good. Um, Michael Fassbender is... Steve Jobs. I mean, it's just he does such a great job with it. Seth Rogen. I've not been a Seth Rogen apologist like a lot of people have. I really liked him as Steve Wozniak in this. I thought he did a really good job. A.K.A. the bearded guy. That is right. (laughs) Now, here's a question for you, Aaron, because again, I'm going into this as more of a listener than a reviewer because I haven't seen it yet. But I was excited to at some point check it out when I get the chance. 
Um, especially given its sort of release window and the people involved, what are your predictions on Oscar season for this? Is this going to get some nominations in the writing or acting categories? I think it might it might win uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. Hmm. I was going to say, like, Aaron Sorkin has a way of almost, regardless of what he does, he puts a stamp on it that's so uh, unique and yet sort of that mm -hmm. familiar thing that everyone loves about his style. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Social Network won the Oscar for Adapted Screenplay. The I believe year. it did. Is it, yeah. is it any, like, a coincidence that Social Network you know, about one of our modern day technological, mm -hmm. you know, idols, I guess you could say that he was involved in that one and involved in this one. Did he do such a good job in that one that they wanted to bring him back in to, for Steve Jobs? I, I mean, I think the, the fact that it's tech uh, could just be a little bit of coincidence, coincidence in some in some ways. I think it's just that it's a good story and they knew it would fit kind of his style to be able to to tell it in that way. Question about it being a good story, though. Because we just had a Steve Jobs like a little while ago. Yeah, Ashton years, Kutcher. Yeah. yeah, what was it not a great story then? And they just <laughs> did you do it again? <laughs> what? They're I, called they're called twin films. I looked this up recently. They happen. Movies like what you know we had Volcano and Deep Impact. Right. We had Hercules and the Legend of Hercules. Yes. We had Armageddon and Deep Impact. Uh, wait, what well, I meant I meant Volcano and Dante's Peak. Right. Exactly. Yep. Pair. Uh, but yeah, we always get like two of a kind, it seems, within a year of each other. We had and, uh, uh, Bugs Life and Ants were yeah. the same year. Uh, Red Planet and Mission to Mars were like six <laughs> months apart. Um, so I feel like this is, you know, more more birds of a feather with these two films. It was probably the same spec script that got shopped around and um, Aaron probably um, gravitated towards it. Because this is a movie a lot like his other projects. It's just a bunch of talking heads. It's people in rooms arguing with each other. And it's it's difficult to make that sort of action interesting and interesting uh, interesting and exciting, but uh, Sorkin has a way with his words that even if it's just people in a dark room yelling at each other for twenty minutes, it's a really captivating uh, motion picture, especially with a few good men, which is just all legalese for like the last forty five minutes of that film. Yeah, but he makes it work. Yeah, and he makes this work too. And it is pretty much just people talking to each other. Uh, having conversations at different points. And I, I want to talk about the structure of this movie too, because it's it's one of the highlights of the film. Um, but uh, oh, what what were we just talking about? There was something that we had brushed on um, that I wanted to go further into. Maybe it'll come back to you. All right, let's go into the structure then, because you mentioned that. Uh, they This movie takes place in three days. It's basically three real-time scenes. And they are the three product launches that Steve Jobs was a part of. So, so the structure of the film is such that these five people in his life, Steve Wozniak, uh, the Kate Winslet's character, who's like his, you know, assistant, executive assistant, um, Jeff Daniels character, who is his CEO slash former CEO, uh, and a couple others, a reporter and, and one other. He has a conversation with each of them in each of these three days. And in those conversations, you get to know everything you need to know about their characters, their relationships, uh, you know, what the movie wants to tell you about his growth. And it's just a really interesting way to tell a story in three real-time segments. That's really... That does sound pretty... I don't know that, that I've ever really heard unique. of it done like that. Yeah, I, I was... It, it is clever and fascinating and... Oh, I know what it was. You had asked about Oscar season and we never, we never really we'll got to... We'll go back to that. To, to kind of finish that thought. But yeah, I, I, and that is one of the reasons actually to bridge that in that I feel like it will get uh, a lot of attention, not just for screenplay, but I think you might see it nominated for Best Picture. Uh, and I think the acting performances were certainly good enough if it gains momentum to be nominated as well. And the Academy seems to gravitate towards uh, actors who do portrayals of real life characters. Uh, I think last year we had, as we always do, five nominees for Best Actor. And Michael Keaton was the only person playing a fictional character. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Michael Fassbender has a, a better than average shot of being nominated if he's as good as you suggested. I think it's up there uh, in in a year where there's not uh, a lot of movies. There's not kind of like a front runner that's getting a ton of buzz. I think Spotlight is starting to take a little bit of that uh, front runner status, uh, which is the movie that's coming out about um, the investigation into the Catholic Church. And uh, I haven't heard anything about this, but that sounds interesting. Yeah. And it's got Michael Keaton and um, 
Oh, I just who, the Incredible Hulk, the actor that plays the Incredible Hulk, Mark um, Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark or Ruffalo, a um, bunch of those guys in it. Uh, uh, Leah Schreiber, and that's getting a little bit of buzz as well. But, um, but I think Steve Jobs will probably be up there for It'll sure. Be interesting to see how it shakes out. Of course, if it were me, I'm still pushing for Inside Out. Still the best movie I've seen this year. So, I, it's it's right up there for me. I think I might have liked The Martian more. I think I had more fun with that. Mm-hmm. But. And because we actually talked inside out here on, on Sif Pop when I was on a few months back. That's right. That is definitely like one, two for me, though. That and, and Mad Max Fury Road. Those are probably easily my top three of the year so far. Good. But yeah. I, don't, I don't watch nearly as many movies as you do. You're a, you're, <laughs> you see three or four a week. I see maybe three or four a month. Oh, feel blessed. Be blessed, my friend. <laughs> this weekend. Uh, so yesterday I saw Steve Jobs. Then today I've got uh, The Last Witch Hunter and... Um, Gem in the holograms, and yeah, then, see, I don't want to see. <laughs> neither do I. <laughs> neither do I. Uh, and then uh, I've got two more after that. There are five new releases out this weekend, so it's just like, why? Why did I tell everybody I'd watch everything again? What? Why did that happen? <laughs> because you had you a lapse in judgment, them, right? Yet you, you have like a deal with the studio, with the theater, and they let you in for free, right? That is correct. Yeah. All right. Well, that's. I could maybe stomach it if I didn't have to pay $9 every time. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine having to pay for every movie. That would make my job a lot more difficult. Well, yes, expensive. I, I would, I would, expensive. I would just not. I, I would do what I do now, which is I wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's not. I wouldn't pay $9 to see The Last Witch Hunter. It doesn't matter, like, what I was doing for a living. I don't care if I was a professional critic or not. Yeah. I'm just not going to do it. Question about the Oscars coming up in the chat. Do you think that Jim and the Holograms is total Oscar bait? <laughs> This is a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> I do not think so. I find I find that question totally outrageous. Uh, yeah. Actually, I, I had pegged the Snowden film as what seemed like really obvious Oscar bait. The the upcoming biopic on Edward Snowden starring uh, the very prolific Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. But that uh-huh. that apparently got pushed back to March. So I um I no longer know what's going on with that film because it seemed like an obvious sort of biopic, current events, really hot actor, and they they pushed it away until spring. So huh. I feel like Steve Jobs might be the... Uh, it, again, the Academy really, really likes movies, biopics, period pieces, especially on current or past figures of any sort of celebrity status. Yeah. I mean, that's why last year we had uh, uh, Alan Turing and Stephen Hawking biopics. Both got really heavy buzz in nominations. And... Uh, Eddie Redmayne, of course, won for doing. That's Stephen true. This I is, think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say there's a really there's a really cool moment in Steve Jobs that uh, deals with Alan Turing, and uh, oh. and I, I I really appreciate that, especially after having seen uh, one of my favorite movies uh, of last year that that dealt with him. So, um, the story of everything. Uh, no, that was that was Stephen Hawking. Turing was. Uh, oh, uh, I'm sorry. I got mixed up. Yeah, I'm just having trouble remembering the name. But anyways, loved that movie. I would. So one of the last questions I have since I didn't get to to see this movie is. Do you think that I would enjoy it? Because I think like when I see a movie like this, it's like Steve Jobs. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just don't. But (laughs) as you're describing it, how the film is put together is what you go for. Not just because, you know, Steve Jobs isn't like a pull from you. I guess I, I guess I think it's like, oh, that's supposed to be the pull, is that it's Steve Jobs. But hearing about, you know, that he might have a kid and oh, yeah. it's in three parts and all this stuff, that's more interesting to me. I wish that that would be the stuff that they would maybe put at the forefront over it being Steve Jobs. Sure. But that's just me. Here's here's my thing. Uh, I think you would feel that meh with if you ever saw the Ashton Kutcher Steve Jobs. I actually liked it. I actually thought it was okay. I thought Kutcher did fine. Mm-hmm. But it's a very typical, better, it's a very typical, you know, storytelling, storytelling experience. Okay. This one is head and shoulders better than that one because okay. it's so creative, it's so interesting, the acting is at another level. And more than anything, the reason I would say yes, you would love this movie is how clever and intelligent the dialogue is. I love clever, intelligent dialogue. I know. I the, the way these people talk and the way they talk to each other and the metaphors <laughs> they use. If, it's if I go see this, like I wonder how our radio and our podcast would be affected. Like we're we would both be trying to communicate in Sorkinese. In, in Sorkinese. <laughs> like we would attempt to do that, a show. 
<laughs> I tried that very briefly with my wife while we were watching the West Wing, and it just it didn't. It was very <laughs> difficult to keep up. No, it has to always be written. Always walking, always talking. <laughs> always walking, always talking, There's always thinking. no such thing as impromptu Sorkin. That would be almost <laughs> impossible to pull off. Um, I think overall... M- there's a lot to love in this movie for most people. And uh, I think it was enjoyable and funny and humorous. The only, since I haven't talked any negatives yet, let me throw out just a, a couple things that did take a couple points away from me. Uh, one is because of the structure, the character, especially Steve Jobs' character, is feels a bit underdeveloped. It feels It feels very well developed in the ways it wants to be, but you don't get a more rounded picture because you're only seeing him on three days of his life. Does that make sense? So there's there's not as much, you know, backstory time to get into who Steve Job was. I mean, they address it in these conversations. I think that that's good, though, because we already know so much about this that's guy. No, He's that's so fair. much part of our current culture. Do that's you know fair. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it does also emphasize the other, the other, and these are just slight negatives. Um, the other slight negative is with the structure. It also does emphasize... Uh, how made up a lot of this is. There's yeah. no way all of these conversations happened on these three days. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so obviously not. So you, you get a, you get a sense of how creative they're being with the truth here. You know that this is really more of a, a metaphorical play about true something, people and true events. Sorkin, uh, something Sorkin mentioned in a recent interview, which I really liked. It was a great analogy. Is that his screenplays are more like uh, paintings than they are photographs. So they're sort of an artistic representation of a real event, but they're not meant to be sort of completely 100% accurate and photorealistic. That's good. That's I thought a- that was, and I thought that was a perfect uh, analogy for the way he sort of writes. In this one, it, you may even compare it more to even like an abstract, you know, where it's yeah, where it's interesting. E- where it's even more that way because of the way it's set up. You just you you get a sense very early on that this is uh, impressionistic, if nothing else, rather than you know literalistic. So cool. I think I just made up a word literalistic because I think literal would have just been fine. <laughs> good job. Good job. Uh, any other questions before we move on? I've been watching uh, the yes. chat, so I haven't I seen have, anything pop up in the chat uh, and I'll keep watching question, that while you ask. The one question I have, Aaron, is whether or not this will appeal uh, to Apple fanboys and those who don't necessarily love Apple products. Is I, it for everybody or will Apple fanboys get more out of it? I very glad you asked that question. I think it addresses, you know, you would think in a movie like this that that stuff would be periphery, right? But it's not. It's it's actually a part of the core of this movie is addressing his theories and his he the movie very um, specifically addresses his view that technology should be a closed system. And you see that in Apple's products, you know, uh, not letting people in to mess around with them, everything, you know, all the software coming from Apple, you know, all that kind of stuff. And his disagreement with Steve Wozniak about that, because Woz wanted to be more of an open thing, um, is a central part of kind of the movie and and his successes and failures, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, And because of that, I think Apple fanboys and uh, Apple haters, both if and you have, fangirls and fangirls alike, thank you. Uh, will actually have a lot of uh, a lot of things they'll they'll like about those conversations about you know, yeah, that's why I love Apple. Or in my case, I'm watching it going, yeah, that's why I don't get into Apple because I can't customize anything. You know that that you know whole thing is there. So you know, tech people, I think will enjoy it even on a different level. But I don't think you have to be a tech head to enjoy it. I like that Spartanite sixty seven in the chat mentions that he prefers Skynet. <laughs> I too welcome our cyber cybernetic overlords. <laughs> nice. Well that, well, that was a good answer. Thank you, Aaron. I think I think that totally sort of answers what I was wondering about it. I think one of the but, things I keep hearing about this movie and Steve Jobs as a character is that he had a particular vision. He was confident in his vision. And sometimes he sacrificed relationships to get to that vision. And sometimes he sacrificed other people's ideas of what they could. And honestly, as an entrepreneur myself and as somebody who has collaborated on ideas, people too, there does have to be somebody at the top with that particular vision leading the way. And at some point you have to say, no, that's just not the way that this is going. And you have to say no to people and you do have to break up relationships. So I was listening to you talking about that kind of even on a radio show today about, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of juxtaposition of, of Steve Jobs, the business guy, and also the one that has to sacrifice 
in ways, you know, relationships. And I think that that's a, a brave thing to do. It's an important thing to do. If you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you have to make calls sometimes that other people aren't going to get. And part of the thematics of the movie, and you see this in his relationship with, again, Steve Wozniak, is that, yes, that's true, but you don't have to be a jerk when you do it. And Steve Wozniak has a line, and I don't think it's giving too much away. I think it actually is in the trailer. He says, it's not binary. You can be gifted and still be a good person. Right. And, you know, that Steve Jobs had this idea that he was gifted so he didn't have to be a good person, you know. And so there's there's kind of that tug and pull of, sure, make the hard choices, but you but can be nice, don't too. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So cool. I think there's that element of it as well. Well, that was a fun chat. Yeah. How was it? How was it for you not uh, not having anybody that seen the movie? Was it weird? Uh, no, I mean it. It, it changes the dynamic, right? Did like it make I, you I feel become superior? the fount of information, you know. Well, so don't go all Steve Jobs and get a big head over there, man. <laughs> well, uh, before we pivot to the next segment, though, sure. Aaron, uh, do you have a final score for us? Yeah, I gave it an A minus. Wow. Um, all right. That is that is a solid recommendation. Yeah, I will, I will absolutely. I, I absolutely uh, had a great time and only just a couple little minor things to, to notch it down to an A minus. But um, it's great stuff. And again, performances, the score is beautiful, too. It's got a tech feel to it, but it's not, you know, uh, overly um, 8-bit in any way. So it, it just it feels feels really nice. And I actually don't remember who did the score. So um, but they did a great job. Good job, person. They did the score. Is that listed on IMDb? Probably. I'm on there. Probably. Daniel Pemberton. Oh, I don't know much of Pemberton stuff. Oh, Pemberton. Oh, Pemberton. There are some last names that I immediately wish I had. Speaking of score, and and we'll transition into the next thing after I once again... um, Yeah, let's transition because I want to talk about Blind Spot. I know you do, but I want to once again uh, pimp Inside Out. Uh, I watched Inside Out for the fourth time the other day. That's, Did you really already four times? Yeah, that score is oh, it's beautiful, unbelievably Fantastic. evocative and beautiful and memorable. I mean, as soon as it starts, it's just like, uh, and that's Michael Giacchino, I think, who does a lot of the Pixar stuff. But yes, yeah, no, Giacchino is fantastic. Yeah, Giacchino. Yes, the other thank one, you. The other one that I really loved this year is, um, and I'm guessing you've seen it because you've seen everything. Um, is Alan Silvestri's work on The Walk, which I also thought was really, really beautiful. Yeah. And I hope both of those get nominations in February. Yeah, I agree. All right, today before we head on to uh, Blind Spot. That is correct, sir. Blind uh, Spot. Talk a little bit about our live show coming up. So November 20th here in Springfield, Missouri, we are going to be doing a live broadcast. This is going to be kind of like a variety show with Aaron, Danae, and friends we are going to have live music. We're going to be doing our podcast in front of a live audience. And we have a great signed uh, group called Nate and the Saints. They're signed with Curb Records. They're going to be closing out the show. We are going to be broadcasting on Mixler the entire time. It's going to be about a two-hour long show. So you can tune in. Our podcast portion is going to be uh, from 6.30 to 7.30. We'll be posting more about this online. If you've got any questions, you can always reach out and chat with us about that. But we are going to be actually doing the whole entire thing for you. And we're trying to figure out if we can do video. That's going to be really fun. And one of the coolest things, too, I mean, it's all amazing. I know you're super excited. I can tell. Um, (laughs) Is that we also have giveaways that we're able to do because we're being sponsored throughout the night by different organizations. In fact, we just got a shipment of four FedEx Express boxes packed with giveaways. So we're going to have some really cool band swag to give away and other Band is the communications app that we use Mm -hmm. uh, to stay in touch with our fans. And we hope you check it out. But they sent us some some selfie sticks and some, what are these called? Those are water bottles. Water bottles. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, on is a water bottle. I'm glad I could help. And what is what is this thing called? A pen? Something like that? So if you're not in the area and you can't make it, we're going to do our very best to make sure that you're a part of it, whether it's on Mixler or video or all of the above. Uh, we are going to make it available uh, as an extra feature on podcast. It's Friday, November 20th. It'll be from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Uh, we're still going to be doing our regular show, our regular Sif Pop show. So it's not going to interrupt what we normally do. Um, but it'll be kind of a cool bonus thing happening that evening. Yeah, we'll probably do this the like we're doing right now, the live SIF pop on Friday afternoon. And then as soon as we're done, we'll pack up here and head over to the live venue and start getting loaded in and set up for the live show. So it's it's going to be a crazy fun day. It's the first time we've done a show with a live audience uh, in the room. 
um, even radio. I mean, we've had guests come in and mm-hmm. various things like that, but we've never had a, a room full of people. So we're hoping to pack it out again. It's a classic rock coffee in Springfield, Missouri, November 20th from 6 to 8 p.m. And it is totally free. All right. Excited for that day. Good luck with that. Thanks. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast. Speaking of a blast, let's talk about Blind Spot. First of all, can I just start? I don't think the show is a blast. You're not a fan of the show, huh? I am not a fan of this show, but I've watched every episode sort of, what's the phrase? Sort of reluctantly or sort of out of spite? Hate watching. You hate watching? I really am. I'm hate watching. I hate watch a few shows too. I can totally relate. Maybe that's where we should start is do we, are we liking it so far? I'm four episodes in. Uh, I am also four episodes in, and I am, I am right down the middle right now. Uh, for me, there are parts of it. The the uh, I'll go into specifics here in a little bit. Dene, go ahead. What do you think? Uh, I am in the middle and towards. I, I just in episode four started to shift towards. I'm not sure I'm gonna like this. I've been kind of like, oh, this is fun. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. I... Uh oh, I'm concerned. So there's. <laughs> I've kind of had a step down series and yes. uh, thank you for bringing it up in the chat. We do not do any spoilers, so we're not going to be spoiling anything for you as we talk about it. This is kind of just our general thoughts. So yeah, no worries there. Uh, I, I understand that feeling as well. I feel like John, we should start with you. You've got a very uh, vehement sure. reaction. So tell us a little bit uh, how quickly you hated it and why you hate it. Um, I think I, I knew I didn't like the show within 10 minutes, just from the, the overly, simplified exposition and the one thing i think that describes why i don't like this show the most uh, out of all the pilots i picked up this season blind spot is my least favorite because it's familiar it feels like the entire show was written by someone who has no experience with fbi law enforcement or the real world but had just binge watched a bunch of action movies and police procedurals (laughs) everything in this show we've seen before in better places the whole amnesia with a secret agent, that was the born identity. The person who has a bunch of tattoos, clues on their back, that was done better with Wentworth Miller in Prison Break. And this Kurt Weller character is just like a poor man's version of Jack Bauer, except he's dumber and generally like a bigger muscle head. And I feel like everything about the show is just like pieces and elements borrowed from other better movies. Episode 5, which you haven't got to yet, has a, a hostage standoff in a bank. And it's like, this feels exactly like Inside Man. It feels like the bank job. It feels like any other movie where hostages take, uh, you know, bank robbers take hostages inside of a building. And everything about it, the way they negotiate, the way they set up the shots and cinematography, it just feels so familiar. And I haven't seen a single moment from this show that to me, signaled that this was original or unique in any way. So, but for what it is, if you had never watched a single moment of any movie or TV show prior, it's pretty all right. <laughs> I uh, I wonder if, because I think it's doing well in the ratings, and I, I think they picked it, it up is. already for it the full actually. season. I wonder if that's why, because you know, for us, we talk about familiar things as if that's negative. Oh, I've seen this before. For a lot of yes. people, familiar is good it feels good that something's familiar it feels you know like i've been here before i don't have to worry i know what this is and i can i can you know watch it so i wonder if that's why it's doing well is because it's so familiar i think that could have a lot to do with it because people are sort of afraid to try new things and to try different shows and this is just sort of all right we have like the hot female who has like the secret set of skills we have the gruff guy who's partnered with her and they're at each other's throats at the beginning uneasy allies who have to fight a new criminal of the week every episode and they stop the bad guys with secret clues and it's the same sort of formula that we've had on the mentalist and sherlock and elementary and now limitless yeah and uh i'm trying to think of uh, like every show that just pairs you know the the sort of savant character with the by the books cop they team up together in an uneasy relationship and solve crimes every week that's basically the formula for every show on TV right now. And Blind Spot to me seems like the worst execution of that sort of familiar framework. I'm not I'm not I'm not as disappointed in it, I guess. Uh I don't I don't think disappointment's the right word. It's just it, it's sort of 
I, I don't know that it's either. I don't dislike it, but there's like nothing about it that compels me to be interested either. The way I make sense, the way the way you're talking to me sounds like when something will catch me in a movie and then the rest of the movie, I roll my eyes every time it happens. So it's like I'm roll I'm, my eyes. That is exactly yeah. the right phrase. Like this is a show. That I'm like, oh, did you really just do that? In episode five, which I think you, I just watched, you guys said you haven't seen yet. There's a conversation where the FBI butts heads with the CIA, like the two, the two groups of people are stuck in a room and they're arguing with each other. And uh, the Keller character, I forget the actor's name, he literally explains at one point to the other agents in the room, oh, the FBI is domestic, the CIA is international. <laughs> that means, and then, and then we, as if that wasn't like dumbed down and, and pointless enough, he then continues to say, that means the CIA has no jurisdiction here in America. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, great. I appreciate you explaining what the CIA does to the CIA. <laughs> like there's something about the show that just seems so sort of idiotic for lack of a better word. But like they're it's... doing they're doing so much like each episode. It's so I'm going to compare yeah. it to something com kind of similar, but not really. I mean, like we're, we're talking about this being such like so many other television shows. Let's take something like Castle's coming up in the chat. Let's just talk about that for a second. Castle. If you're watching Castle, it is a. A, B, C, D, E kind of a thing, right? And it's pretty, you've got one precinct. You know the recipe. You, yeah, it, but it's, it's all kind of happening in one world. There's not really a lot of diversity going on. Blind Spot has all these different agencies going on. You've got, uh, to us, the audience, a brand new group of people coming together that are you know, solving crime for the, we're meeting them for the first time, but they've known each other for a long time. So we're kind of playing catch up with their relationship as, as they're, telling us information about these characters then you've got this chick that shows up out of nowhere and she's trying to figure everything out so there's a lot more going on a lot more people a lot more organizations a lot more sites and we are we're like taken around the city in a different way because you know each episode there's all these different places that are being visited so this is a big big budget in a way you know you're like watching it going wow that was just an explosion scene and now we're seeing all these cars exploded and you know like things like that so so it is interesting in that way because there's more going on, but maybe for those who are used to peeling back the surface of these types of shows, there's not a lot underneath it. I would say I'm enjoying it more. I My concerns that I have is my alias concern, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Where, which is what? Which is how, how long are they going to make this go? You know, like. Right. So. Well, and we saw that in Prison Break, too. You know, it's like you can only keep yeah. that up for so long. So the so the thing that's tying this together is her mysterious tattoos. So far, they haven't let them fail. We're not seeing failure on their part. They're, the only failure we're seeing is that maybe they're not solving something or she's not able to talk to somebody long enough to find out who she is. You know, those are the failures. But they're like preventing pretty major national world crisis on every episode. Mm -hmm. It's not and small. That's, it's that's huge. Another issue I, it, that's another issue I have it, as well, where the suspension of disbelief that every one of her tattoos I, leads I to a yet crime. Exactly. Like, and that's the alias been, thing, it's right? Been, where it's, it's been a, five or six weeks now. And like, they're still, they're still catching crimes before they happen. But not How just clairvoyant were these tattoo artists. And not just regular, not just regular crimes, but like yeah. major government conspiracy <laughs> things like if you really are conceptually trying to figure this puzzle out on your own you, it, this has got to be drilled down to like there's one person who's a mastermind over all of the world <laughs> and somehow they got this girl and they tattooed her and they sent it out just to have fun like it's just it doesn't go anywhere superficially maybe you can have fun for a few episodes but once you dig in they are doing something interesting though and I did want to talk about this and it does happen in other shows too maybe more now than than uh, before. They're moving some of the plot line super fast. I wanted to talk about that. And actually. I that actually was one of my kind points. of appreciate I, that. I did too. That's one of the things I like about the, like how quickly she finds out who she is. Yes. Yeah, I was really surprised that happened in episode four. I was expecting that to be dragged out like the whole season. I know. And that's the fun part too, is that it's like, oh, that's already solved or, oh, that's already, or a character shows up you think is important. Oh, they're already out of this show, you know, like, so, and we're only a little bit in. So that to me says they're brave in some ways 
and hopefully making really brave, smart moves and other ways to keep this going. Because if this series is going to make it for those of us who, you know, like to be more engaged in certain ways, hopefully the mysteries of her tattoos will not only make more sense, quote unquote, realistically. And what I mean by that is that there's not a way it's not like tattoos labeled one, two, three, four, five. You've got to figure them out in this order to Mm -hmm. get to the mystery. There's no way that they're going to figure out they they have to let them fail at some point in time. There's no way that they're going to figure out the tattoo and then get to the person two hours before this such and such happens. It's just that that would make me insane. <laughs> so they have. I think, the, I think the show definitely has a a lot of promise and a lot of potential if they sort of play their cards right and develop it in a way that doesn't seem so cookie cutter. And I think right now it definitely seems like the heir apparent to the twenty four series. This seems more action-oriented and more exciting than, like, your average Law & Order episode. So I am enjoying the action and the gunplay and, like, the, you know, the fist-to-fist takedowns and stuff in this show. And it's the overall plot about the amnesia and the, the sort of Navy SEAL aspect that's interesting. But, like, the sort of criminal of the week that takes up 38 minutes of the 44-minute show, that's where I'm sort of like, all right, this feels too too familiar. It seems too predictable and it's the same thing we already saw last week. I think if they can sort of break that mold and focus more on the characters, I think it'll be really interesting. And that's something that I've seen Blacklist do um, this season as well in season three, where I did not like Blacklist in season one because it felt so familiar. It was just they brought in this really cool premise, but they sidelined it for 90% of the episode just to say, here's a bad guy. We're going to catch him. Now we've caught him next episode. But yeah. now in season three, they've sort of developed the universe and the show focuses more on that B plot where we follow around like the the weird lives and the secrets of these characters. And I think if Blindspot can sort of turn that corner, it'll be a really fun show. There's one difference. Blindspot doesn't have James Spader. <laughs> yes. No, and that that is that is a, a very, very key point, Aaron, because the guy who plays Keller, um, I am I am not convinced that he is a good actor at all. Yeah. Like every line is just he sort of uh, so Jane, you got to come with me to this warehouse. We can't <laughs> let you have a gun though. So stay here. All right. Like I, he just, everything, he's just not a good actor. He just really isn't. I'm sorry. He's not the <laughs> worst actor that I'm watching right now. The worst actor that I'm seeing right now in my, like, Oh, I'm so excited. Like my <laughs> TV watching to see kind of how uh-huh. things are going is Jeff Gordon's guy from Gotham. That guy is awful. <laughs> I am sorry. I can't, I've never seen somebody on television. Commissioner Gordon? Com- yes. I think I think they're it's bad. they're very similar actually. They kind of have that same uh there's a nonchalance and a gruffness to their their performance. Cop-care. Yeah. Yeah, that is and a, and a lack of a lack of sort of uh complexity and a lack of depth. It's just very sort of one note. Jim Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> you said but Jeff you, Gordon, you, yeah, which is what, the race car driver, right, but yes. that's, that's thank fine. you. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I <laughs> you, why you're well, you here. two both agree that the this main guy in in Blind Spot is not really fantastic. He's not terribly convincing. Uh, I haven't. It hasn't. It hasn't tweaked me in the way that it's tweaked you. But you saying it, I, okay. I agree. I, you know, like I, I can I see what okay, you're okay, saying. Sure. Yeah. It, it just hasn't stood out to me the there way it has a, to you. There was a moment in the first episode which I liked the first episode because there was so much intrigue and curiosity going yeah, for on. Sure. And I think the some pilot, of the pilot was great. yeah, and some of the some of the cinematography and the camera angles and things like that. Those are really interesting too and captivating in their own way. You know, they've got like the big the big emotional score going on and. So they're really pulling all all the stops, you know, like, hey, look over here. We've got a cool thing going on. Um, there was a moment in that first in, in the pilot uh, where she reaches out and she touches him, like touches his face. She's trying to like, kind of remember who she is. I thought that was really I liked that part. It was really intriguing because you don't know enough about him. And you don't know anything about her. She doesn't know anything about herself either. But there was something going on there in him and you could tell i even wrote it down in my notes i was like that was like palatable i could there's something something is there and then there's more that kind of develops in the next couple of episodes where we kind of do learn that there's something that he is really uh, attracted to and something that he or you know there's there's more to that so there's depth to those two characters that you aren't expecting but you know again my concern is no matter how good the writing is or whatever and you you want all that stuff to work for itself but um 
one of the one of my major 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 concerns is uh the the i'm going to go back to alias for just a second because i kind of wanted to flesh that out just a teeny bit more sure so in alias it kind of felt like at the towards the end they had built up this whole rimbaldi thing you know and mm-hmm. they just kept like making stuff up as they went instead of having a plan and i hope that they're not doing that with blind spot but it has that feel to it they're just throwing out so many different like you can trust this person you can't trust this person you know here's this person's storyline oh but there's also like this deep intrigue and oh here there's this and then who there's a little bit of that too and <laughs> It's just so much yeah. that you almost can't keep it all in your head, which is cool in a way and concerning in a way. Oh, I totally agree. It's almost like when you cast, like a, if it's almost like a if the storyline is a braid and it starts up here at the top and starts to braid itself together, and then there's like an anchor down below, and that's kind of like maybe end of the season, and then it braids itself down below, and that's the end of the next season, and so forth and so forth. That works really, really well, unless all of a sudden it starts to come completely undone and starts to fray mm-hmm. and get all tangled, and then doesn't make any sense at all, and it takes the entire series, and it doesn't, it just ruins it's the lost that effect. Had. You know, a lot of people had that problem with Lost. They didn't feel like it in it, you know, tied everything, braided everything up like it like it should have. So, and I think there's there's part of that too with the tattoo thing that I love part of the tattoo thing is is really really fun right like the way the the puzzle part of my brain works when I watch the show I go oh I like that that cipher aspect to it or whatever I like that but then there's this other part of me that's like this should be and I said this about prison break too it should be an anthology series or it should be just like a one and done series because something like this needs to tell a complete story and I just, I don't get the feeling that they're going to be able to do that, which is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. I lost you guys for a minute there, but um, I yeah. agree with the last sentence I heard from Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, superficially, her tattoos are cool looking. That's Super, fair point. Superficially. Fair point. She's beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. I love her eyes. She's got these amazing eyes. There was one episode. I think, I think she's going to be certainly the breakout star of the show. Yeah, um, I, I've been impressed so far with. I again, I don't know any of the actors' names yet. It's early. I will say though, the the head of the department, the FBI, their I don't know, their like chief, the black lady. Mm-hmm. She I, she the same actress who played the Carmen Sandiego like <gasps> chief because she seems very similar. Carmen Sandiego. I think she was also she's played that role in a few things. I think she was she the one in uh, the Shield. She was in like RoboCop. From like I just want, I just want her once to say, "Go out and get him, Gumshoe." Like just one time. <laughs> uh, of note, little random side note: the Jane Doe is her name in this show. Her name is Jamie Alexander, and she was in Thor. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's where oh, that's I rec- right. that's where I recognized her from. I knew I recognized I her Ash- from somewhere. Ashley Johnson is really great as well as the little lab tech. I think she, um, I remember her as the little girl in Growing Pains. Yes. Yep. She's. She doesn't have a lot to work with, but she makes her little scenes She's quirky somewhat fun. interesting. She yeah. Gives a little bit of, of like warmth and humor to sort of the dry, sort of clue breaking exposition. She's bringing something to the table. So, bit, yeah. Nine out of 10 times, do you find now that if you don't recognize an actor or an actress from something, when you finally do realize it, it's from the Marvel Universe? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's a lot of actors. <laughs> that is a lot of people in that universe now. It's funny, we were, uh, my husband and I were watching Blind Spot last night, and uh, Ashley Johnson came up, and, and he was like, oh, she looks so familiar. And I was like, yeah, I think that's, like, I'm seeing her as a child. So, you know, went to IMDb and then found out who she was, and I was like, yes, that's exactly how I know her. I found the pictures, and Justin was like, no, no, it was something else. The daughter, what women want. Nope. He was the like. voice of The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> She was like the reporter or something in just like a real quick cameo on a like Spider-Man or something recently. Wow. Really? Yeah, she just had like a little like a little Once again. The Avengers. It was the Avengers. The Marvel Universe. Yeah. Of course. He was like, That's that's who she is. <laughs> I was like, No, she's the girl from All right, whatever. <laughs> uh one uh I, I don't know, maybe you guys have one final thing as well before we move on to our buried treasure. Uh I'm gonna do for my one final thing, and no pressure if you don't have another thing to say. Uh, this movie has... This show, TV show. This show, sorry. Uh, I'm so used to talking about movies. I know. This show has 
in many ways followed the trend of being more graphic violently, I thought. Like there's yeah. a lot more spatter than a lot of these types of shows will have. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned the blacklist that's that way too, you know, is is willing yes. to be more real, realistic with the violence. And, it, and if for a show that seems so procedural and like, you know, so many of the others, it's it's interesting that that uh, that it chooses to do that. Just something I noticed. I'll piggyback off of that and say um, I noticed it. There's an, an explosion at one point in time. And a lot of times in TV shows, they'll cut to commercial mm-hmm. right at that moment. There's a big explosion. Or cut to a reaction. Yeah. The, they'll cut to something. Mm-hmm. They'll cut away. And this show does sit inside of that moment when, which I kind of found to be interesting because it was so different. I hadn't really followed through mm-hmm. into that before. And so now we're like, okay, we just had an explosion. We're not cutting away from it oh, we're seeing what it's like to recover from it. And they change the sound, the audio mm-hmm. changes. So you kind of feel like you're in that space. And so I will I would agree with you. This is, uh, it's a violent show. Mm-hmm. Go some dark places. John, you got one more thing? Um, my final thought is the show had better get interesting in the next two episodes or else I'm going to drop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to give every show like, you know, a half season, like a six episode run. And, and I'm doing the same with um, Minority Report and Limitless and Quantico. And so far, the latter two are impressing me way more than the first two. Uh, Minority Report and Blindspot don't seem very yeah. interesting outside of, outside of that one little sort of premise in the pilot that they all but abandoned as soon as it serves the plot. Like the thing with the tattoos and the amnesia, it's interesting, but as soon as they sort of get their clue, it just completely turns into a regular yeah. like, catch the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas I feel like Quantico and Limitless are doing a little bit more with those familiar formulas. And I'm I'm more inclined, I think, to keep watching those two. I'm glad that you're you're liking Limitless. I'm liking Limitless as well. So I, are we. I uh I It's fun. I think it's I think that's the big difference is it's funny. Yeah. And I really like the characters. I think yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah, he's a lot and of I love the movie too. And the fact that it plays so closely with the movie that Bradley Cooper's in it, you know, I mean, that's yes, yeah. I think that was a, a that was a really really nice touch to sort of make it a proper sequel in the same universe. Yeah. Whereas Minority Report, which is the clear sort of parallel because it's also based on a sci-fi film, they sort of it is a sequel to that same universe, but like everything involving Tom Cruise is like never mentioned ever, which is, and I feel like maybe if they had some illusion, some connection with it. It might make the show a little bit stronger, at least on the pilot, but they decided just to create an entirely new world that sort of coexists with what was established in the uh, the Steven Spielberg film. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I do. I do have to say, since we've kind of poo pooed on it a little bit, I, I feel I don't feel I don't feel bad saying this. In the fourth episode, there is a fight scene between people who are wearing suits and like they're like hazmat suits. One of them is yellow. One of them is is white. It was so ridiculous at that point that Justin, my husband, and I were laughing because we were like, "It's banana versus the marshmallow," and like we, <laughs> we were doing commentary the whole time. It made that's, it super ridiculous. So I recommend maybe just going back and watching that scene. And like then it just, reminded you like the sumo suits that yeah. you'll see at like carnivals or fairs <laughs> yeah. or whatever, <laughs> like trying to knock each other uh, off. That's hilarious. I think sarcastic commentary is one of the few ways. My wife and I get through half of the things. There we you watch. go. That's the best. I mean, that's the best part of hate watching, right? Is hate watching indeed. Absolutely. Be able to do that stuff. We like to finish up our Sif Pop episodes with a little bit of buried treasure. This is something that uh, just one thing that's going on in pop culture world, whether it's movie, TVs, apps, something tech that we want to bring to your attention that maybe you don't know about. Uh, Aaron, do you want to start? Sure. I've got a an app that one of my sons asked me about, and as a conscientious a conscientious father uh i want to be able to know what they're downloading on their phone and so they have to ask permission whenever they get an app and it was a game called adventure capitalist and basically in i'm re- already interested and in, in, in <laughs> researching this game i fell head over heels in love with it like and here's the thing about it it is just a click buttons game. There is very little, uh, like, <clears throat> well, there's no, like, you have to click in certain places. It's just you you start a lemonade stand, 
And then when you sell a lemon, you have to push the button to sell another lemon and you keep selling lemons until you can buy a newspaper stand. And then you buy a newspaper stand and you start selling newspapers and lemons, newspapers and lemons. And then if you make enough money doing that, you can hire a manager so you don't have to keep pushing the lemon button. So then your manager will just keep selling those lemons for you. You don't have to worry about that one anymore. And then it goes to, uh, you know, a car wash and then a pizza delivery service and then uh, you know, a donut shop and a shrimp factory and a hockey team and a movie studio and a bank and an oil field. I didn't do that by memory. I have it in front of me. So, uh, <laughs> it goes, you know, I am, I am literally already downloading. It. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we have to pause for just a second. So this game was something where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, about this game. I basically, I would delete this off of my phone, maybe 15 seconds into it. Cause it was, doesn't Not, appeal it to you at all. It, it, from, my, from my personality, doesn't appeal to me at all. Because it is, like, the interface is really interesting. It's like a list. It's just a list of information. Mm -hmm. And then as you're, you know, as it goes on, there's more to kind of look at. But not really. You're not really going into different environments. You're basically just watching your bank account get bigger and bigger. <laughs> and you're That's trying to... That's something I do every day. <laughs> what are you talking about? And you're trying to, you know, like, get bonuses for your lemonade stand when you get to 100 lemonade stands. And... And you're also trying to attract investors and just like, you know, whatever. But I, Aaron, totally obsessed. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe personality wise, not for everybody. Yeah. And I think it appeals to if you have a math brain or an efficiency brain, because you're trying to figure out, you know, which do I need to build more of and, and which do I need to, you know, hire a new manager for and which do I need to do bonuses for and so you know you're thinking how to make the most money so you know right now I have you know 406 trillion dollars in the bank and I'm trying to decide you know do I do I buy more oil rigs because I'm getting my best rate of return on those or do I buy more lemonade stands because if I get to another level I'll get a times three multiplier and so this is uh in the chat people are saying thank you I didn't know I needed this and brought up was this is an updated version of a lemonade stand from the old Apple is it LLE days I think I might Apple two Apple two days I think it's just a typo Apple ah two. okay so this might have a lot of you know, appeal. it's got a little history to it. Yeah. So, and we bring it all back around to Steve Jobs, which is always fun too. I By do, the way, Apple II <laughs> is such a huge part of this movie in some really powerful and emotional ways. I just, I just, just wanted to throw that out since somebody brought up Apple II. Cool. <laughs> so, I too wanted to chat about an app. So, similar to the one that Aaron is bringing up, not something that every personality type would be interested in. This is an RPG game where you're going on adventures. It's called Raid Brigade, and I've been playing it for a little over a week now, and it's by Ultrabit and Congregate. In fact, Congregate also created the Adventure, Adventure Capitalist. Capitalist. Or at least so, they own it, yeah. Uh, so there's like a forum that you can log into and you can get bonus points and stuff like that. So Raid Brigade is basically you're a character uh, in a team and you uh, tap the screen to shoot your arrows or to wave your sword around. And it's uh, very into I love the interface on it. A lot of times on these games, you have to keep your hands or your fingers like at a specific place. If you're going to be moving around in your environment, they, you know, you have to keep your thumb on the lower left hand and that's your left and right or whatever. And then your jump is on the lower right. This one is really intelligent. You can use the entire screen to kind of move around throughout your universe. And so you just drag your finger around and you go around in, in, uh, in one environment from point A to point B. You're trying to get to the castle and defeat all of your foes along the way. Good job. Now do it again for level two. <laughs> and then it goes up and up and up and up. It is a compact game, though. So this is I thought that it was going to be kind of simple, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm a. I'm an archer. I'm a I'm wielding a weapon, you know, or whatever. This is way more complex. You can update your characters, you can update all of your gear. Uh you don't just go from level 1 to level 100 or whatever. You also can battle people who are online and go against their bases, which means you have a base, which means you have to upgrade your base. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that can happen inside this game. Uh so uh, it's um also, you know, based on gathering resources so you have to kind of go in and gather those every once in a while it totally sucked me in though so i it's play a it. it's like a world building game kind of yeah you you just have you have your keep so mm -hmm. you know you and you have different people in your team that you're building up so you're leveling up these characters and those characters are guarding your base also so you're taking them out in raids and you're guard they're guarding your base so it's a very interesting game. Um, it's really simple if you know RPG games. If you don't know RPG games, 
it's a little overwhelming because you can there's stuff all over your interface. Yeah, I find RPGs to be a little bit much. So very different from the adventure capitalists where yeah. you just have one screen That's to look it. at. It's you've got simple. all these numbers push flying. Push the buttons when they're ready to push. And not this one. This one you have, you know, easily 15 things that you can click you on. Go. So that one's called Raid Brigade. What about you, John? I What's your buried treasure? My buried treasure this week is going to be the Back to the Future trilogy and specifically Back to the Future Day yesterday. That was so October much fun. First. Or no, two days ago, Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. I don't know how you guys celebrated it, but Back to the Future has always been my absolute favorite movie ever. And I had basically been waiting for 4.29 p.m. October 21st, 2015, since I first saw Back to the Future 2. Wow. Let's say 1992 or 3. Like when I was a kid, over 20 years ago, I've been waiting for this. And I had the opportunity to marathon the entire trilogy at the cinema. Uh. Um which was the first time I had ever seen parts two or three on the big screen with a completely packed theater. Oh, that's it fun. Was such a, uh, it was such a new and different experience for movies I had already seen 15 or 20 times to now see them again with a big crowd and get all the laughter and the applause and the cheering at all the right moments was uh, such a different and such a fun experience. And, and, you know, people were dressing up. The local news crew was there. They had props and memorabilia from the film on display out in the lobby. Uh, it was just like a really cool night. And to sort of experience those films um, for, for the last time they're ever going to take place in the future. Because as of today, the <laughs> entire Back to the Future trilogy takes place in, in the, the past, past, which is sort of which is sort of mind blowing. Did you uh, did you was, cry? No, I didn't cry, but I definitely cheered. I was I was applauding and it was such a fun experience to see that uh, sort of finally come full circle with with the uh, the future that they had predicted, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you can see in the chat, but there's uh, other people who are talking about that they also did, you know, the marathon. And uh, Caleb mentioned that there was a guy who brought the DeLorean by. He actually posted a picture of it in our Sift Pop group on Band if you want to see it. So, yeah, no, I've actually had a chance to be to sit down behind the wheel of, I think, four or five DeLoreans, two or three of which were tricked out to look like the time machine. That's they awesome. They make appearances at. Uh, you know, a lot of the local conventions around my neck of the woods, Rhode Island Comic Con, Super Mega Fest. I think I might have saw one of them that packs east a couple years back. Just if there's ever like a big convention in town, like someone will show up with a DeLorean and charge you five bucks to sit inside it and take pictures. And I usually uh, am more than willing to help out, especially since most of the time the money goes to Parkinson's research and stuff like that. So did you see I, um, their appearance on Jimmy Kimmel? I did. Did you get it? Was, I was. I liked it, but at the same time, it, it sort of makes me a little sad because of how old Chris is and how sort of uh, – I'm trying to find the right word to describe Michael's sort of state of health now. But it is it is a bit depressing to see these once virile and exciting two individuals that are – I mean, they're really getting long in the tooth now. And I, I kind of feel bad we keep dragging them out for every anniversary, having them put on the jumpsuit and the leather <laughs> and the you know the life preserver vest all yeah. over again. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's always great to see these two, and it's it's clear they're still having fun with the property, and um, so I enjoyed this skit. I think it would have made a better pre-tape because when they do it live, you could tell that you know they were waiting for large pockets of applause. It looked like Chris forgot some of his lines. I think if they had pre-taped that, it would have been a little tighter and more funny. But I liked it a lot. I don't know. That nice applause was emotional. It like was. Th that it, it was. I think that I I really liked that too. That they got a chance to really sort of sit there and bask in what was like a like a good two minute standing ovation. Yeah, it was a pretty solid chunk of applause for them, and and well deserved. The fact that we're still talking about this sci fi comedy from thirty years ago is is incredible. And I love how many companies made the future come true. I saw USA Today did a version of the newspaper. You yeah. know, Pepsi did the you know the Pepsi bottle. The shoes are now being made. Different cities were releasing that they pulled people out, you know, pulled over the DeLorean and <laughs> It it was really a pop culture moment. I'm glad that you brought that up because this being our pop culture podcast, it's the first time I've really noted that the entire country seemed to get kind of get caught up in something. I was really surprised by that because for the last five years, and I'm sure you've seen some of it, people keep posting on Facebook like today is the day Marty arrives in the future. <laughs> And I was like, no, it's not. Do you guys ever seen the movie? And like as a diehard fan, it always annoyed me when people would pull these like so-called hoaxes and like try to claim like this is the day in the future. 
And I was sort of like, doesn't anyone know that it's actually October 21st? <laughs> so when so when October 21st finally showed up and literally everyone knew about it, I was like, awesome. It isn't just a thing for the nerds. Like everyone was getting in on this. The Today Show did like an entire hour devoted to the Back to the Future trilogy. They had on the original cast. They had DeLoreans and all that stuff in the plaza by the, uh, you know, 30 Rock. And like everybody on social media was talking about it. Yeah. So it was really great to see. Like a like a global event around what I thought would be just sort of an inside joke for some of the more diehard fans. And even an investment from companies like Pepsi who are. Right, absolutely. Yeah, they're taking their own resources that could be spent elsewhere and they're using them to create new brands just to, to commensurate this movie. So I feel like. I don't know if we're going to see this again, you know, in a movie format. I wonder. I wonder what the next one will be. But I was really caught up in just how much of pop culture. I'm hugely disappointed in baseball for not just giving the Cubs the win. <laughs> that really bothers me because I feel like that was the biggest failure the Mets, we have. The Mets should have given them one game. They should have given them all. Especially of on Come Back on. to the Future Day. How right? can they get eliminated Ugh. on Back to the Future Day? It was so frustrating. That, that, I felt like that was just sort of serendipitous. <laughs> and it speaks volumes to the Cubbies curse. The fact <laughs> that even when it has been prophesized by Bob Gale 24 <laughs> years earlier, they still can't get it done. Oh, it's so I, hard. I, I don't I feel I feel for the Chicago faithful. I really do. Oh, we all do. We all do. Well, I feel for all of us. Because it's it's done. Aww. The hour is up. If my calculations are correct, we are arriving at the end. <laughs> Of this episode. Thank you so much for joining us for another live recording of the podcast Sif Pop with Aaron and Danae. As always, we are joined with by the critic, the geek, and the girl. Critic being Aaron. Geek today was John Paula of Jogwheel. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And I'm the girl. <laughs> yes, you are. It's just as simple as that. Before we head out, uh, another reminder that you can support what we do at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. Even $1 every month. Uh, will help us do what we do in a huge thank you to the BDG who is now a, a supporter at Patreon. Uh, we appreciate that, man. It means a lot to us, and uh, we are looking forward to getting to that next hurdle and doing another day every week. We're hopefully going to have some fun announcements about our next podcast release. We'll keep you guys updated. Uh, you can check out the Sift Pop podcast feed at iTunes and Stitcher. We do sometimes reveal other, we do a release rather other podcast episodes like spoilers and things like that there so there's bonus material if you subscribe to sif pop again that's an itunes and stitcher and always 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 links are at our website aaronanddenae.com guys have a good weekend thank you so much for hanging out with us and remember it's possible to be both gifted and a good person thanks steve jobs <laughs> There are those who say, Leave well enough alone. If it isn't broken, don't fix it. You don't mess with success. While others have something quite different to say. The new Lexus RX. Now with enhanced dynamic handling and available 12.3-inch touchscreen. It's the best-selling luxury crossover of all time. Reinvented. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.